I really appreciate Terry and his enthusiasm and his uh, just gift for leading. I've told him before that I get, I need to be led in worship, and I really appreciate him doing that and having the courage to say, come on now. Sometimes he means y'all are slowing down. That means that's what that means. Come on now means stop slowing down. Yeah, <laughs> right? Because uh, sometimes we're just like, blessed assurance, the coffee wasn't ready in time. That's how we feel sometimes, but I'm just, I'm thankful for you for um, being willing to lead, be led, and uh, that's just such a, a, a great thing. It reminds me of, um, it, worshiping enthusiastically reminds me of dancing a little. Um, I, remember, I remember going to school dances, not knowing how to dance. I had practiced in my room in front of the mirror and was not good at it. Um, I had watched, I'd figured out how to moonwalk, but I've always had this gift of like figuring out how to do a magic trick, like see how people are doing things and kind of watch it and follow along. Um, and that was to me, that was just a magic trick Michael Jackson could do. And so I figured that out and I got the dance ready to moonwalk and there was not a time for it. Um, took my white glove off and everything. Um, but like the key to enjoying yourself in worship or the key to enjoying yourself at a, at a uh, dance is to not care how you are perceived. And churches of Christ are awful at that. Dancing and not caring how we are perceived. I grew up like that. I grew up, we, uh, the Queen is uh, 15 uh, minutes from the county line of Oklahoma. McCurtain County. Some of us could throw a rock and hit it. It wasn't far away, and as you pull into Oklahoma from Sevier County, you, uh, there, is a, um, there are like four liquor stores right there. Boom, 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 right there. And I remember people telling us, even if, you, if it's an emergency and you have to go to the bathroom, you will hold it to the convenience store because you are not going in that liquor store to avoid even the appearance of evil. Do not be seen as something less than what you want to be seen as. Now, in that is the rub. That's the problem, isn't it? It's not that we don't want to give off, we, want, we don't want to be uh, good people in the world and be seen as good people in the world. The problem is we want to be seen as more than what we are. And so we, we want people to see us, and when they see us in our deeds, exalt us for our deeds. They want, we want the world to look at us and say, this is, um, that person is a good person. You know, they always say that whenever they think that you've never been to a liquor store, even to buy the necessary ingredients for beer bread, which is delicious. They want, they want, we want them to see something that we're not. 
And so Christianity can become this uptight practice where we are not gauging ourselves based on Jesus, which is really hard, by the way. We are gauging ourselves by how others perceive us. And you would think, by looking at Facebook, that this is not something we wrestle with. Because people on Facebook are constantly talking about how they do not care what other people think. And it's crazy that they're putting such things on Facebook because it seems as though they care that everyone knows that they care that no, they don't care what other people think. That was, a, that was such a hard sentence. I get bonus points for it. When you say in a public forum, I don't care what other people think, you care what other people think. When, when, we are made a, when, when we are trying to shape the perception the world has of us, whether it's how you talk about your marriage or whether it's how you, um, you, you present your house. Rick and I have had this talk before about um, baby showers being hosted at our house. I'm sweeping the chimney. I mean, everything. You have to, I didn't know that like, uh, it's just, it's bad. I'm dusting, I'm, I'm dusting the, the beams in the attic. It's just, it, you got, the, the house has to be so clean if a baby shower is there. It just, oh, get it, get it scrubbed down. Obviously, we want it to be a nice event for somebody, and it's not going to be a nice event if, you know, half of them die because they stepped on a toy and fell. Because that's what our house is regularly is just the kids leaving stuff everywhere and our dog who's about five pounds grabs stuff from our kids room and just carries it to our room and drops it in the room that's all she does all day there's just like a like an elephant graveyard of of stuffed animals in our room by four o'clock every day she's just going she's like her job she just goes and gets things and goes, drops them off. Doesn't play with them, maybe gives them a little shake, drops them, goes get something else. So we're having to counteract that. We want, we want, the, we want the house to look nice. But do we want the house to look nice for them or for us? Do we want to be good for them or for us? Do we want a healthy marriage for them So that the world might see we have a healthy marriage. Or because a healthy marriage is good for my soul. It is is our hang up in the way the world perceives us. That keeps us from spreading the gospel like Paul and Barnabas and Peter did in this week's chapter in the story. Now, you might not see it, and Rick and, <laughs> Rick and I talk about a lot of things, apparently, but Rick and I, was talking, we were talking about this, uh, this, this chapter being, we could, I could preach 15, 15 sermons out of this chapter, easy. I won't, I'm going to preach three this morning, but not 15. But what made this movement happen? And we can say that they were, exuberant about the resurrection and that's true we can say that they were convicted about the resurrection and that's true 
They, we can say that they were active participants in, participants in the kingdom of God, and that tr is also true. But what made them have the courage to keep going? I want to read from a, a particular passage, just a short little section. What had happened is uh, Peter and, uh, or not Peter, Paul and Barnabas had gone into a city, and they were preaching, and people were doubting. And Paul looked at a lame man, and he said, walk. And the guy got up and started walking. And then everybody was blown away, and everyone was so excited, they thought that Paul and Barnabas were gods in human flesh. That's how well they were received. They thought that those guys... That, you know, Paul, with his stature and his speaking, he was probably Hermes, and, and, and Barnabas was Zeus. And they've come down, and they have, uh, they, they have presented this um, miracle for us. And when Paul and Barnabas heard about this, it says, chapter four, or verse 14, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We, too, are only human. Like you, we bring you good news telling you to turn from these worthless things. The living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Or turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he had not left himself without testimony. He has shown you kindness. By giving you rain from heaven and crops in the seasons. He provided you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words. Even when they said, listen, we're not gods. They're all, all, everyone's just sort of like, oh, that's what a god would say. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. At this point, the whole town thinks they're something special. The whole town. Paul and Barnabas climbed the social rank to gods with one sermon. I've preached so many sermons and I've never done that. But people, people looked at them and said, you must, you all must be gods. Let's sacrifice. And they said, no, we're not gods. And they said, well, and I get it. They still wanted to sacrifice. They've gathered all the equipment, you know, they've... <laughs> They'd gotten the stuff for the sacrifice. Let's still do it anyway. No, they kept them from sacrificing to them. That's where they were in the social structure. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. That got out of hand fast. They thought... They thought they were gods. And then they, they thought they weren't so much so that they deserved to die. And they stoned them, threw rocks at them, and, uh, at Paul, and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. No one has ever thought I was dead. That's never been a thing that, that's never, uh, no one's beaten me up that bad. 
That's never happened. But can you imagine these guys? They, they, they've, they've thrown rocks at people before. That was a, that was a common form of, of civic justice. Someone's rabble-rousing in the town. Let's throw rocks at them until they've died, and then we're gonna, we'll take them outside the city. And they drag Paul out, thinking he's dead. Bruised, bloodied, and dusty, he lays on the ground. They walk in, their job completed. And this is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Verse 20. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back to the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. This image in my head of Paul, just them all looking like, oh my goodness, he's dead. He looks dead. He looks dead enough that the people who are trying to kill him stop trying. And he's lo they're looking at Paul, and he goes, Ugh. <laughs> like it's just, I, I don't know what the first noise he made was, but when he comes to, oh, goodness, help me up. And he gets up. And he just he's like, okay. <sighs> Some of you feel like that just after a night of sleeping. <laughs> he's, he's, got a, he's got a limp. And there's, there's, a, um, there's a, a, a famous passage in which a historian quotes a, a man in a letter that, that he, he, a Jewish man who saw Paul and gave a description of him. And one of the things it says is that he walked with a limp. Well, you would too if you'd gotten hit that much. Sometimes I just walk with a limp when it got cold too fast. And Paul, Paul has been beaten and he's, he, he goes, well, my instinct as one of those crowds and one of the people gathered around him is like, well, should we go that way? He's like, no, let's just go back in the city. Paul was willing to move on. It didn't matter his spot in the social spectrum. In the social hierarchy, he did not care how people perceived him. In just the previous city, they had gotten run out of town and they shake the dust off their feet and they say, and it says that they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Paul does not care where the gospel takes him in the world or in the social hierarchy. What does the world think of you when you forgive people that they're not ready to forgive? What does the world think of you when you shut down gossip in a room? When you say, I don't think that's our truth to talk about. How uncomfortable is it? You're going to move down a few notches. The gospel is going to take us a lot of places, but the top of the social pyramid is not one of them. We are not going to um, feel popular as we follow the king. Because there are things we're going to have to stand up for. There are things we're going to have to not participate in. And you've got to choose. 
What's crazy is we tell this to our teens all the time. We tell them, the world wants you to do this. Don't do that. The world wants you to, want, wants you to go out with your friends and sit on the tailgate and, um, and drink and do drugs and, 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 and participate in things that you're not... Commit to women in ways that you're not ready to commit to them. The world wants that from you. Don't do it. But man, I could stand up here and say, hey, we're coming into the Christmas season and the world wants you to spend a ton of money on your kids. And I don't think that's the way of Jesus. I don't think that sort of affluency and excess is what Jesus is calling us to and everybody's legs get tight. I can say that the way that, that uh, and we talked about this last week too, but the, the way we disguise gossip as prayer request is sin. I can, we can say those sorts of things and we can say the world wants you to do a thing. Oh, it's just so hard, you know. I had a, I was, when I was a youth minister, I had a, um, Mom, give her kid a computer with internet in their room. And now, parents are handing their kids devices like these with internet connected to the sky. Over 85% of the internet is pornography. It's absurd. Half of the people that they're going to talk to that do not have a face wish them no good. And when I told that woman, I said, I said well, you could get him a computer or, with the internet, or you could just get him about 1,000 magazines, eight, 850 of them are smut, and just throw them in the room. Of course, there's Newsweek, and there's Sports Illustrated, and there's all that. Just throw those in his room and see if he can decipher. And... She said, of course, we didn't have kids at the time. And she said the things parents say whenever confronted with Jesus is you'll understand when you have kids. You're the parent. You're the grown-up in the room. You make the call. And don't just do what the world says that you should do. Clara the other day said, whenever I get 16 and I get my phone, I'm not going to get Snapchat. I think she was just telling us, like, see? Well, what made me so happy is that she assumes the baseline is 16. She's so wrong. It's not happening. Well, I, you, you know, you just win the ask and ask and ask. It's because I'm filled with the joy of Jesus that I can say no over and over again without saying tired, getting tired. Because we can say, well, no, you don't need that. But I love rat poison. No, don't eat rat poison. But rat poison, don't, don't eat it. Rat poison, no, don't eat it. Rat poison, oh, okay, just, uh, yeah.
We are called to something higher that doesn't fit into what... Your kids are going to get made fun of at school. Your kids are going to be called something like, like they're not up with the times. Oh, you don't have that. Oh, Dad, everybody has one. Yeah. We've done zero studies on the effect of social media on the teenage brain. But I'm guessing they're not looking good. I'm guessing it doesn't look good for any of us. There used to be a saying that the internet makes uh, smart people smarter and dumb people dumber. And now I think it's just the other way around now. It's just everybody's getting dumber. We are obsessed with how many likes we have or how many follows we have or how many, um, I don't even know the terms. I'm probably not a credible source on this one. But that social structure is always in the way of the kingdom. How you're perceived is always standing in the way of the kingdom. What you, what, what you are called to is going to leave you bloodied outside the city. What you are called to is going to get you run out of your social group. It's going to happen over and over again if you speak up for the kingdom of God. It's going to happen. But Paul saw the kingdom of God and the spread of the gospel to be more important than what he was. He says in Philippians 3, I was, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was faultless. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. But whatever was to my profit, whatever I gained, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever he gained, he considered loss for the sake of Christ. What are you trying to gain in the social ladder, in the social hierarchy, in the, in, uh, uh, in the way you're perceived? What are you trying to gain? Because it's fool's gold when you get it. Paul says, I consider it rubbish, garbage, sewage, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said the way of the world is worthless. The things the world values is worthless. Now, don't hear me saying like, man, we're better than them. What I'm saying is, of course they don't value Jesus because they don't have Jesus. And if we want to spread the gospel, we can't be the ones pretending we don't have Jesus. Because it's just not suitable for the current context. We're all fine with the teaching of turning the other cheek until someone hits us. But you know turning the other cheek is only necessary when someone hits you? That's the only time it's commanded. Jesus doesn't say, figuratively, you know what I mean, turn the other cheek. Jesus says, the way you react to persecution matters. 
And so Paul went out into the world and he turned the other cheek over and over again. People said things about him that were not true. Now he combated that in a letter. He, he wrote letters and said, that's not true. But he said, my only mission is to follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether they think I'm a God or I'm dead. Because the rocks that are wounding Paul are crying out in worship of Jesus. He said, I'm in this. I just got a notification. Should have silenced that. He said, I'm in this without the approval of the world. I'm in this for the kingdom. So you've got to examine what are some, what are the, some of the ways that you like society to view you properly? Are you sad and you don't want to look at? Are you angry and you don't want to express it? Are you scared? Are you scared and you and you want to appear brave? A lot of times we keep all that mess bottled up because we don't want to be perceived correctly. Let it out. Let it out. Let the kingdom of God out of your bones. Let the, let the, let the emotion that you're wrestling with out into the church. And let us all love each other within our mess instead of being perceived properly. Well, what are those people going to think? What does Jesus think? Is the only question that matters. And so whether, it's we're, we're, whether we're worshiping or we're just living some random Wednesday, Stop trying to fit into social hierarchy to be approved of by the world and spread the kingdom of God. Well, the guys at my work really don't understand. Then get made fun of. If Paul could get rocks thrown at him for the gospel, you can take a little ridicule. Speak out. Jesus is king. His name is worthy of our praise. Whether we're here or at our place of work. We're at home. His name, my husband doesn't want to hear that anymore. I've been on him on and on him about it. I just don't, he doesn't want to hear that. It doesn't matter. He needs to. His name is the only one worth saying. And all of that's going to fall apart. Jesus said every knee will bow. It's all going to flatten out in the end. Don't get caught up in it now. If you're wrestling with that, if you, if you need prayers, uh, you're not following the king. We, we want to pray with you. If you want to follow the king for the first time, if you follow Jesus for the first time, be united in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, today's the day. Today's the day. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say, well, you know, we'll, we'll wait on you. Come on. The kingdom is waiting on you, but today is the day it stops. Please come forward while we stand and sing.